Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss Here at B&Q we've launched our brand new website DIY.ie Browse thousands of products available for home delivery and one hour click and collect Visit DIY.ie today You can do it when you B&Q it Delivery and click and collect available on selected products and locations Restrictions apply Delivery charges may apply See DIY.ie Welcome to the Dope Black Dads podcast, a place where we are changing the narrative and having progressive conversations about black fathers, as well as creating a safe digital space for the community. This is the Dope Black Dad podcast. My name is Marvin Harrison, and today I am with my brothers Marlon and Marvin. Marlon joined us last week to bring his ridiculous and actual insight as well. He had some real <laughs> amazing contributions. He, 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 he wanted women to be fathers. He, he, he genuinely believes that mothers can be men. So I'm, I'm really happy for him. He's discovered something today. He's also wearing a disgusting, dirty top, which we won't talk about. It's, it's, it's the best shirt in the world, man. I'm, exactly. I'm on his side. The two Man United supporters on this thing. Can I get on? Yeah. when black men support man united i'm like why like how you can call i think that's that's, that's nah, a lot come to on, do brother. you were don't act like I you was, was around you, can call. you weren't a child <laughs> you weren't a child in 98 <laughs> my, my dad my dad saw george best and dennis law when he first came to england oh, and he was go. like they were cold yeah, on the tv yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's go back to 1972 <laughs> uh. therefore Therefore, <laughs> well, what's your reason? So, so your dad made you do it, and Marvin, you said you can call, which you was 1998. Yeah. yeah, must be nice. <laughs> <laughs> I've always wanted to be a glory hunter, but unfortunately, I've had to be traumatized as an Arsenal fan. Trauma. The thing is, yeah, I have a fraught relationship with football teams anyway because I started off supporting Leeds United. No people know this, yeah. So, I support Leeds United from 91 to like what did I school? So, 2004, why five. Why? And then, and basically, what happened was no, because when I, because when I was looking for a football team, my brother liked Arsenal so much, and I hated his guts. Yeah, but this is like eight years old. Hate his guts, not real hate his guts, but I hated his guts. Now I ain't supporting that team. I'm gonna pick my own. So I basically went on, went, went online. I, I went into the football <laughs> sticker book. <laughs> Them lies. It, 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 was, it was 2009. Get the receipts. <laughs> it, 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 it. <laughs> I, went, I went inside the football sticker book. And I was looking for who has the most black players. Okay. And Leeds had okay. Yeboa, Brian Dean, Rod Wallace, and who else was there? There was someone, Radibi. And I was like, this is it. 
Black yeah, people. As you can tell, I've been, a, I've been an activist since eight. <laughs> <laughs> the only black Leeds fan there is. And so then after I was with Leeds, and then I went to Arsenal from 2004, five, maybe, whenever we went into the League Two, maybe 2006, all the way up until now. But about three years ago, when I worked at Manchester City, I was like, fuck this shit. This is... <laughs> Arsenal was so bad and so badly run that if I'm going on loan, I, I basically said that I'm Yaya Torre and I went on loan to Manchester City and had two great seasons. So won the league one year and I came back two years ago. It's been quite nice. <laughs> Have you ever considered swapping teams? Is that ever a real thing? Well, I, I will ask you guys because you're fudging Man United, isn't it? But have you ever considered it for a little bit? Do you know what? I really, really like Tottenham. And Bruv, like obviously, the, I grew up in antithesis Tottenham. Antithesis so. of me, bro. You're like, you're, how how could you be so opposite but so similar at the same time? Why Tottenham, bro? What about because I, I lived there, but I really liked them. I really liked the style of play. Jurgen Klinsmann, Gary Lineker, um, Gascoigne, bad boy player. Loved them. Always have done. I think they play. And do you know what? I hate Arsenal. I hate everything about them. But I like the way they play. I, like, I miss their ticket. They don't play like that no more. But their ticket tackle football was a mm. joy to watch them destroy West Ham or destroy Sunderland or destroy Stoke. No, that's, that's a disrespect. You know when someone's taking a piss, yeah? My man said West Ham, Stoke and Sunderland. Sunderland. <laughs> Mate. Anyway, no one came here to listen to us talk about football because uh, I think 65% of the people that listen to this podcast are women. They're trying to escape the Euros, so we're not going to give them more football talk. Today was really interesting. And also, hi, Ma- hi Marvin. How are you doing? Not too bad, thanks. I'm, I'm still recovering from the fake news about my toes. But... Bro. <laughs> You know what? Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> but it, it was funny, yeah. But I felt really, I felt like a bully because that's the first time we'd actually done an edit with you in it, and it, and, it, and then it was like, am I, am I taking a piss out of my no, friend? No, 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 it's cool, man. It's you cool. sure though? <laughs> yeah. Them toes were mangled, bro. Uh, mangled. Oh, that was funny. <laughs> I don't even know how you found that. What did you type in Google? <laughs> Listen, you don't want to see my browser history, man. <laughs> how to make my raves like Marlon's? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so we we shared in a group this week here yeah, Kevin Hart has sat down with Will Smith and what's really cool about that is those are two men obviously both from Philly that doesn't mean that much to me but the two men late 40s into 50s I think Will Smith might be 50 already and highly accomplished having a conversation about fatherhood and it was the most valuable rich conversation you know I felt like someone said Marvin have a conversation just for you it felt so personal because there were so many themes in there that i just felt like i'm trying to unpack myself i'm trying to get better at i'm trying to be aware of and they had that conversation and in many ways from a fatherhood point of view they've got children older so they know the journey of fatherhood and in business they've obviously significantly more successful than i am so therefore i was able to see what that look may look like in years to come and i thought it was really beautiful did you guys actually get a chance to see it i did yeah, I've watched it as well, yeah. How, how did it land to you? Did, was there any takeaways? I know you didn't get to finish it all, but was there any takeaways that you found? There was, there, was, there was two bits that I thought were really good. One bit was when Kevin was talking about how he angered the LGBT community and how his daughter responded to it. And he was like, you know, it's comedy. I'm just being me. That's who I am. And his daughter was like, well, no, but it hurts. You know what I mean? It's painful. And he had to then reflect and be able to mature and understand where his daughter was coming from and why it hurt and why it hurt the rest of the people outside. And then Will said a really interesting reflection that Jada had that when celebrities or when they say something or do something, they're in the eye of the storm and it's calm because they said it, they don't really care 
what what said it just to, uh, where they're concerned is a bunch of trolls outside of them that are that are hurt but when they step outside to the left or to the right into the storm then it's like oh my god this is the pain and anguish i've caused and people are taking it really really personal and then they went on to discuss how speaking i think it was will was talking about his first relationship or the first child he's got and how when he sort of slandered her or said anything about the relationship that was negative how the rest of the world was coming for his ex-wife and the pain that that caused her as well so and she had to have that honest conversation with him was like look whenever you talk about how we were together before and it's negative the world comes for me and that's that's not good and it reflects bad on the kids I thought that was definitely quite it was I think it's the conversations that we have and as just because they're sort of like you know global celebrities you don't think they have the same issues or problems but they do they do they have exactly the same issues we have and the same problems we do in the you know the same pain that that we go through purely insightful purely insightful and I'm almost getting to that point in my life with my daughter as well where you know I have views or you know things happen and my daughter's like nope that's not how it goes you can't do that or you can't say that you know what I mean that's that doesn't mean that I don't agree with that um, and then you've got to reflect as a man and your teachings and as a father and, and you know, the di- your direction of travel and reflect on yourself, which you wouldn't have to do. You know, you're 30 something, you're, you know, you're, you're the finished article, aren't you? <laughs> and, then, and then you have to stop, pause and reflect. Yeah, and no, I think one was definitely reading my notes. I think a lot of what you said there is <laughs> are the same things that I took away. <laughs> that I took away as well. <laughs> but I think, I, I mean, I think what I like to see in both of them come together, because, you know, sometimes when you're viewing Hollywood from the outside, they put everyone in competition with one another. So you wouldn't even imagine, or I wouldn't have imagined that Will and Kevin would sit down and have this type of conversation. They almost make it seem like the Tupac and Biggie, you know, because they're both big actors. Will had his time, now it's Kevin's time. That They're not friends in that type of way and they wouldn't have that conversation. So I think that was kind of myth-busting anyway for them to sit down and do that in such a candid way. But yeah, completely vulnerable, you know, open to having honest conversations and just laying it all bare. I like what Marlon referenced about the kind of the eye of the storm, because I think what they highlighted there as well is that your family can be affected by the things you say. So although you're tough and although you grew up in a particular way and you don't care about the backlash, if your daughter's going to school and she's hearing about it, it's going to affect her life. And Kevin made a joke, like if I, you know, if he says his ex-wife's feet are big, you know, she can be cussed about that all day every time she steps out of her house, but he doesn't notice it because he's not there. So he thinks it doesn't exist. He thinks that, I guess, he's, he's in more of an echo chamber because he's just surrounded by who he chooses to be around, whereas everyone else is surrounded by people who they may not have an option whether they want to be around them or not. So I thought that was powerful. And I think the, the biggest thing I took away from it is one day you will have to sit down and explain your choices and your decisions to your children. And and that's a tough conversation. You know, warts and all, everything you've done, you know, the good things, the bad things, they're going to want to understand how and why. And although you're the hero in your own story, when you're explaining it to them, they, they may see you as a villain. They may, they may as, as Marlon said, they may see something that you've done and see where you've caused hurt or pain. And you wouldn't have seen it from that perspective until you spoke to them. Mm. So yeah, that really stood out to me. I kind of had like, it was interesting because I, I, I almost needed it. There's two things. This week I watched Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance again. There was a scene in The Last Dance which was speaking about... So basically, he he took the three, he done the three years, the three P, took a break. In the second year, halfway through the season, so like in March of the second season, he he returns because there's a baseball lockout. And he starts playing again, but his body he isn't prepared. He's not fit, and so they get knocked out by I want to say the Knicks, and he's devastated. And so he doesn't go home. He just starts training like the next day, 
So he doesn't take a break. And then him and his team are like going hard and training and he's pushing his team verbally, physically, emotionally. He's like pushing everyone's buttons to get more ready because the Knicks at the time were a great team. So it was like whenever you get to the to the Eastern Conference semifinals or finals against the Knicks, you know, I need you to be ready. So all season coming hot. And at the end of that season when they won it, they interviewed they're obviously interviewing everybody, but like Steve Kerr, Rodman, Pippin, and they're all just saying how hard Jordan rode us in the gym. He used to insult us, talk about this, say you're not strong, you're not this, like really just going in. And they were basically just saying that he was he was a bully. And then he's he's there playing in the video of these people's feedback of him that year, and he starts crying and asks for a break. And there was something really powerful about watching Michael Jordan cry for something that he did, which everybody lives off of. So like all of these people, their legacy is I won three to six championships. Like I, in the game of basketball, I'm considered great on the basis that I won this many championships. Pippin got six, Kerr got three, Rodman, I think got six. So like, that's the context. And but at the same time, how they feel about what he made them become is still negative. And watching that make him cry because it almost felt like he was misunderstood really landed with me. And where that resonates then, because then it gets reinforced in this in this interview that they're doing, is this this idea that like when you're the person that can drive the thing, you can't apply that energy into places where you want affinity. That's a really big learning. So like he said, they're, they're saying like, I run a company. This is what Kevin Hart's saying. I run a company. I'm CEO, chairman, leader of this. I'm doing a tour. And in that realm, it's like, yo, you do this, you do that, you go there. And it's, the, it's you have to be that way because you're making 70 to 100 decisions every day. But when you go home, you can't talk to your wife like that. You can't talk to your kids like that. You can't talk to your mum like that and your brother and people that you actually want affinity with that you're not paying so it's very difficult to come off that frequency of strategy big decision make money into oh let's sit and tell me about your thing and both of them talked about struggling with like coming off the high of doing big things in a in a professional sense into being human and interacting with people that you love and that just landed with me because I think many of my challenges personally as a man is that transference so on father's day there was a point i just cried in the morning like a slice small like i just and it was it wasn't even a cry of anything it was more like a tear of joy really it was a really powerful tear of joy on the understanding that this is the first time i've been able to be present on father's day like i feel like i'm here i felt like i was in the room i wasn't preparing because last year we was doing a campaign i'm trying to message everyone write this say this do this people are like i don't know how it works and you're fixing it and the year before that again i was busy and the year before that i was like on the floor trying to find a friend to talk about how bad fatherhood was um for me and so that's the first year where i was like wow, i can actually see the program i can see dope black dad's working where like now i'm here and i don't want to be anywhere else like i'm i'm able to do it and you know, I, I feel like if you don't have that awareness early, you can really get 10, 15 down, years down the line with your children before you really sit with them and then realize that you haven't connected with them properly. 
after so many years. So that that was really really huge to me and like super super loud. Uh, the other thing was uh, we we need older and wiser men to counsel with. Like that's what I took away when I saw it. We need to be around men who are like eight to ten years ahead of you in terms of age and experience and things that you're doing to help coach us into some of the things and the pitfalls that may happen so obviously with will what's happening with jada that's widely publicized and kevin getting caught cheating and having to explain to his daughter you know in the moment i'm sure a man can justify and pretty much all men who cheat justify that it's it's all right or it's worthy or it's, ju it's justifiable to cheat but then no one talks about the other impact, like when your wife's eyes change, doesn't look at you the same, or when your kids, you know, Google you and they or they, you know, hear about it and they see the destruction in the family. Like no one really talks about that at length. And not just from a, a family point of view, but also from a professional point of view. I want that. I need that. I need to know, you know, things that I might think are just for me because someone doesn't, you know, my, you know, Nina doesn't want to do something with me, so I just do it myself then. <laughs> then it's like, well, what's the cost of that? And so someone to give me that perspective on what they wish they had done is always useful. The people around us and what you talked about with the, the, the hurricane or the tornado being the eye of the storm, everyone gets knocked constantly. And I realized that a lot of people, when they didn't have answers from me or they couldn't get hold of me, would go to the next person they thought was closest to me for an indication of something. And if they weren't informed or if their answer wasn't powerful or clear, it just created lots of confusion. So that's really, really clear. That's really important. That's even for like simple things like family and, you know, accessing kids and, you know, what you're doing for a birthday, all those things matter. And then many to learn to care more about the feelings and this idea about how violent it felt for a man not to care about a woman's feelings. Like that's, that's betrayal to them. That's the darkest, deepest thing. And I, and I would love to hear what you guys think in terms of like caring about your own feelings. Is that something you've ever considered? Like, how deeply do you consider your feelings in the things you do in the name of fatherhood or, or partner or husband? I mean, I want to say I'm always stuck in my feelings anyway. I think it's really important that, that one, you express your feelings. So I, I think I'm good in relationships. I'm good at speaking about how I feel, but I'm not very good at onboarding how a partner might feel. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and I want to hear, you know, this is how I feel in this moment in time. This is how it's made me feel. And then there's always a ricochet, isn't it? Well, I've heard what you said. Now, this is how I feel. And that, and I feel like that counteracts how I felt. But that, that's the idea of communication, isn't it? So mm. I haven't totally, totally mastered, totally mastered that yet. But I think, I think it's important. I think especially with, with women in feelings, because they're more emotive than us, they need and should be heard more. You know what I mean? But how, how would you characterize your feelings though? Like what, what are the feelings that are ignored that you, you ignore your own feelings of? Like you know better or you feel like it should be something else, but you do it anyway for the mission of par parenting, relationships, whatever, whatever the mission is. I, I don't know. Um, what are my feelings? That's a very good question. I, I don't think I've stopped to really consider what are my actual feelings. Like, you know, it's been such a whirlwind of trying to gain access and now you've got the access and now I've got to grow and rear my child and you know what I mean I don't think I've fully stopped to consider you know that the, the emotions you feel are you know loss you know pain probably the seven stages of grief when you're not seeing your child and then they they sort of demise almost immediately once you're once you get your child back and you know access is up and then you're happy and then you move into this weird space where you know am I doing the right thing so you don't I don't I don't often have time to reflect on on how I feel 
You know what I mean? Um, I hear that. So then, Marvin, for you, what what would you say are the things, yeah, that you do, like even like if it's an undeclared commitment or even a declared commitment, yeah. that you do for your kids, for your partner, for your family, that doesn't necessarily serve you, comes at a great cost, and you just say, "Fuck my feelings on this. Mm. I need to do it for." Is, are you present to like what that is? I think I'm present. I think it's similar to like what Marlon's saying. I think I'm present, but I've never thought about it in that way. I think as, I don't, I w- I don't want to use it as a blanket term, but I think as a man, you can almost forgo your feelings for, for the mission, as you said. But in doing that, you don't register it as a feeling, if that makes sense. So it's like, if you're tired, but you've got to get shit done, you've got to get shit done, you forget about being tired. Like that doesn't even come into it. And then now when I think about it a week later, I won't remember that I was tired. I'll just remember that I needed to get X, Y, Z done. So I think for me, even as I listen to Marlon speak, it, it I'm not present to my feelings in, in every moment. Maybe the extreme ends, maybe, you know, um love or anger is is more is more obvious. But on a day-to-day basis, it's it's more about the mission. As as you said, it's more about just getting it done. So yeah, for going sleep or sacrificing my time, money, resources, whatever it is, it will be doing that as opposed to sitting in my feelings and thinking, actually, how do I feel about this? And it is it's an idea that I've tried to become more present to, but it's the whole unlearning and then learning something new, which from a young age, because I wasn't taught to, not not for any negative reason, but I suppose, again, if my dad had the similar programming, it would have been exactly the same. So I, I'm just walking in the footsteps of what, what I think is normal. And it's not until you get older and you speak to someone who perhaps is more present in their feelings and they are, they are able to understand and think about where they're coming from, then you realise you've got that gap. So I think, yeah, I'm, I'm completely there with how Marlon described. I think um, extreme ends, I'm, I'm good at judging. But on a day-to-day, I'm just so used to getting it done. I don't feel think about how I'm feeling in that moment. Mm. What's interesting, yeah, is that like I've, I've connected to the idea of providing in such a high mm. level that I have to, at times, say, fuck my feelings before, mentally in my head, I have to say it before I go and do something. Yeah, yeah. And, and what I realized is, yeah, is that not a lot of people actually do that. And not a lot of people understand that space of, of being in where, like, you have to say fuck your feelings to walk through a wall and achieve something so that your family have a certain level of comfort or so that you can afford to take a break. You know, I took six months off. That, that's a luxury to be able to go and do. I was still working, but I took six months off. That can only happen if I work to a significant degree but then you realize you work to take time off and then it then becomes counterintuitive but you know i realized that there was maybe if if people are around you that don't understand what it takes to walk through a wall to achieve something they don't understand when they're around you what it takes so then they take it for granted and so you do have to park your feelings like, you know, if I, so I know you've all been there, you do a school run in the morning and this is the time when you just need that extra half an hour. You just like, fuck it, fuck my feelings. I got to go and take my kid to school. I know that's my declared commitment. So it's not bad, but I'm abandoning myself. And I think every time you do that, I think it has an impact. And so when someone comes to you with their, their feelings, you're like, your feelings? Mm, Yo, yeah. <laughs> do you know? Like, you know yeah. Do you know this week you start, yeah. you start turning into, like, you're just not listening. And I think, mm. you know, when people find things hard, you know, I find, I find everything hard all the time. I just wear it well. 
you know what I mean? Like, don't don't think that this is easy to like do all these things. Like, I just do it. I woke up and I was like, oh my god, there's this. Oh, we grew. Oh my god. But no, it's like actually that was so that was so effeminate. But it's fine. I'm out of peace with it. <laughs> but it's like, but the reality is, is that when I try to explain to people the process to get the things that I get. I think many people believe that like, and this is where people think of the Illuminati or they think like you drink blood or, you know, you hang around in some private nightclubs with older white men and get blessings. Mm. But the reality is it's just hard work. So I think it's just like, I don't even know if it may not be relevant, relevant to everybody, but I do think we all, especially as men, sign up to abandoning our feelings to provide something on behalf of the mission. And every time we do it and then someone comes to us with real feelings about something which is too disconnected to like to be of use at that time in terms of feelings and, and I think Will Smith's example was when Willow wanted to quit the Whip My Hair tour after she signed to Rock Nation and she's on tour and you know she's like day three or 30 and she's like I want to go home and he's like go home you made a commitment you used your your language to say you're going to do something and now you're not doing it that's not okay like forget your feelings do the mission and that doesn't you can't apply that to your children you can't apply that to your loved ones you can't respond to people that you care about that way because it absolutely reduces affinity i think you're spot on i think you're you absolutely hit the nail on the head my mum once said to me at the end of my tether she was like you look unkept (laughs) you look like no one loves you invest in yourself and that's kind of what i needed to hear you know what i mean but i wouldn't have gone and had a massage because I'd rather use that 80 pounds and bought my daughter another pair of trainers or taken her to jump or, you know, I would invested it in her or gone out for dinner. So often men won't hear that. So they won't make that sacrifice. You know, you know what I mean? They won't say, right, okay, maybe my child has enough shoes or they have, have enough experience. And I actually need this time to, or to spend this time and money to invest in myself, you know what I mean? And bring myself up to speed. Or maybe there is that extra half an hour in bed, which is really important. But yeah, it goes unsung. 100% goes unsung. You know, waking up at six, doing a school run, having to work eight till four, then pick up child from school, come back home, making dinner. You know, it's, it can be tough. It can be really what, tough. What was really interesting here is that there was just a voice in my head because I was away for so long. And I, obviously I had consent from everyone that mattered. But there was a piece of me, it's like, oh, you're representing dope like dads, you're away from your kids for six months. That's not dope, is it? And a part of me was like, I know deeply why 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 i was gone but also just it does it does impact you when like people don't even remotely understand and um i, I hope i don't speak out of turn here yeah but there's a guy he's like uh he was a, a a director and he passed away i don't know the circumstances of passing away but he passed away and everybody loved him he's a great guy every story i've ever heard about him was just really good guy and he passed away and he left a young family behind and I, I think about him all the time. I think about him all the time. I think I think about him in a sense that he's he was out there getting it, like just working, 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 working. And I guarantee you there's another version of him that was in our group. And he was just like, I'm around the world shooting music videos every day. I'm so not near my family. And th- there's just something about when you try to explain to people about what, it is that you're doing and how you're going about it and what's required. The point is that they don't have the understanding. So then it creates an environment where you're then marginalized for the thing that you can gift your family. So as a man, like we have been programmed that 
being a, a, a man in the house requires you to actually earn mm. and provide. And so that becomes our gift. It's like, there you go, sprinkle with some money. Mm. Yeah. Like, I didn't sleep for four days and like, I almost went to jail, but like, I got it. There you go. Mm. Give it to the family. <laughs> and, and like, then, then in many ways, the fact that you provide is like, great, amazing. But then if you provide and you push it and you go to jail, then it's like, oh my God, what kind of, mm. what kind of father is this? Like, but these are the risks. This is the, this is the game. I'm not saying you should <laughs> do stuff that goes to jail, <laughs> but I'm saying that like, if you don't provide the narrative around you is that you're nothing. And then if you provide that which can cost yourself or your family freedom, time, your health, death, then it's like noble almost. It's like it's yeah. more noble to do that than to actually say, do you know what? I'm 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 just gonna take a break and not provide for six months. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so I think there's something really problematic about I don't I don't mind about the wider world, but like even family, friends immediate people how they perceive men it's like the success is, is if you provide there's a failure if you don't and the value is and we're taught that our value is to do so and when if we're not in our gift and in our power quite often we feel disconnected and don't feel like we have a space in the family because the rest of it is very female normative does that land with any of you guys is that similar to what your understanding I was, is i mean yeah on the back of what you said i was going to say that there's also a bias that we don't see all the people that tried and failed or even in that journey when you're trying. So let's say someone like Kevin Hart with everything he went through and everything he's gone through to kind of get to where he is. If he stopped at any point on that journey, he could be considered a failure. Like when his, when his TV show wasn't produced, he could have been seen a failure. Or, or any of the times we got cancelled, he could have been seen a failure. But now we know, you know, what happens after that, we, we write him up as a success. But there's a lot of other people who fell off on that journey and as you're saying, because they, they stopped there, that was a kind of final chapter or perceived final chapter. It's seen as being a failure. And so it's a very hard standard to kind of push against because you've got that pressure on you that as soon as you drop the ball, it's all over. But at the same time, if you're not providing, you're, you're a failure. So people are prepared to risk it all to succeed. But, you know, I, I, a quote I heard over the weekend is that like your physical presence is more important than presence, for example. In the moment, it doesn't feel like that. You want to give everything you can to your child. You, you want to spoil them rotten. But we would all say now that, you know, we don't even remember the gifts that our parents got us when we were younger, but the quality time we spent with them was more important. But I think it's just very difficult to remember that in a moment, to remember that actually physically being there is way more important than anything you're able to provide. But uh, do you know what? Physically being there is very important, but if you can't physically be there and you need the time to recuperate mm. to be the best you can, sure, yeah. you know what I mean? Then yeah, there, there has to be allowances to, mm. to, to, to step away. So, you know, the six months you were, you were away, Marvin, probably helped you with your mental health, really helped project you and, you know, allowed you to be here for the next 10 years. You know what I mean? And if you hadn't taken that break or you didn't take that break, you know what I mean? You, you would have been a presence, not present. Mm. You know what I mean? And, and, I'd... uh, yeah, go on. No, I was just gonna say to what, what what it is, and this is only of two people asking questions that I'm inferring. So I don't know, no, in the deep way of like whatever it was perceived that I'm a piece of it. I think what it was is just uh, I. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I think people would have preferred, not preferred, that sounds like they want me to actually demise I think it would have been more acceptable for me to die from an aneurysm or stroke yeah. or stress-related illness right, yeah. no, Billy than, it, isn't than it. it would be for me to like take a break and be here. So I, I feel like that this is how masculinity is perceived. And it's like, like you know, people say, I'm going to die for my kids. <laughs> and it's like, I'm prepared to live for mine. What, like no one ever considers like what the actual other side of that conversation is because preparing to die is this belief that like, you know, we're, we're Liam Neeson and Liam Neeson is like about to have his kids killed and I'm going to die for my children. Leave, save my children. Take me. Now, that's obviously beautiful and noble, but what world are you in? What yeah, life are yeah. you living where that's even a conversation? Yeah. And if you genuinely live a life where the conversation is someone's trying to kill your kids mm. or you, then maybe you should die anyway because yeah. your life is probably sounds pretty wild. <laughs> so I think that's, that's noble, but it's probably appropriate. I, yeah. I, what I'm talking about is a day-to-day guy. Like that's not our existence. My kids aren't on the line like that. So if I find myself in a in a cycle of behavior that's unhealthy, and you need to pull away to them recalibrate, you know, you need you need to have the right type of people who understand that. And I'm I'm so lucky. Nina allowed me that. I rang her and I said, "Look, I need to go." She was like, "Go, no questions asked." I got there. I said I was meant to go for three weeks. I got there and I was like, "I need longer." <laughs> I told her I'm missing Christmas. You have to understand that this is not small stuff. Marvin, I've watched you. Cool. Go take time. I then come back and I'm like, this ain't working. (laughs) I need more time. (laughs) Six weeks later, I was gone again. Since 2015, I've had no days off. Not, Not a single day. No holiday. No extended period of time. And... Even when I think I'm breaking, I'm not really breaking. So the idea of like not picking up a laptop, not having a meeting, not going to a meeting, none of those things just hasn't happened since 2015. And that's including weekends, evenings, all that. And so I think, yeah, after a very long period of time of that happening, it was just really, really clear that maybe I needed to address this balance. And so I've consciously been trying to do that since 2018. I've obviously failed those tasks because I haven't been able to break. 
And I think when the time came, it became a really powerful and important moment for me to like take a conscious break from everything that was going on. And it really, really helped me. And now I'm, you know, slowly walking back into the world and I feel much, much better. My worry is, is that I had many luxuries in place to facilitate that. So, you know, I earned enough to not have to do as many things as I was doing. So I could afford to take a break. I had an amazing co-parent who was like, Marvin, I got your back every time I needed to re-up my extension. She allowed that. My mum, you know, was like, right, I'm going to support and make sure, you know, her mum had support so she could take a break. And there were people around to create a, a culture of, you know, she's got support. So she's not on her own for six months. That is unique. How many people have all of those things at their disposal? So to, to every other man, I feel something for because in many ways, it's like you are the thing. And if you don't work and if you don't make and if you don't provide, nothing will go on. Party done. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think my worry is, is that if men don't consciously ask themselves that question or they don't recalibrate their lives to be more affordable so that it can be afforded on less income or you will find yourself trapped in a commitment to your bills to your mortgage, to the expectation of your partner, wife, your children, of a certain quality of living, and it will come at the cost of your life. Yeah. And I think we do it too much. I was going to say as well, I think I think you made a good, really good point when you're talking about, you know, the Liam Neeson scenario, uh, being prepared to, you know, to die or kill for your kids. I think a lot of people prepare for this fantasy life that we're not really living. Like A lot of people will say that. They'll say, you know, I kill for my kids if something happened. But then my question, and I've even said this to friends, like, okay, cool. If something happened to your son, if someone touched him or whatever, you'll do whatever. But when's the last time you read a book to him? Or when's the last time, you know, you went to the park with him? Because we create all these fantasy scenarios. You know, like when you're in the shower and you're arguing, you're thinking what you would have said. Or Throwing what you punches. Have done. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? but, <laughs> but in reality, what, what are we doing? Are we, are we turning up where we could on every opportunity to yeah. make that difference? Or are we just hypothetically holding these scenarios in our mind, imagining what we do in a worst case scenario that, you know, yeah, if my child needed a life-saving operation, then I'll go and get the bag that will do this to turn their life around. But on a, on a day-to-day basis, we're, we're not doing what's required. And I think as well, I think, I've, Marlon, you made the, the brilliant point when you were talking about when Marvin took a break. And I think that's exactly what I was saying in the sense of, if you looked at it in the six months, someone would have said, okay, no, you're not present. That's not good. But then you look at it, two years later, it will be like, that was the best decision you could have made. And now everyone's benefiting positively from it. And I think there's, there's something about the framing there that if we misframe or misrepresent the, the situation, then we start to call people failures and we start to call them losers. But when you just give it a bit more grace, you know, there's so many people that have turned their life around that you look at it in the long term, you think actually, you know, even people like, you know, we spoke about DMX a few podcasts ago, someone like him, there was a stage in his life where people were writing him off, you know, he was on drugs, he was in prison. But then by the end, he was a legend. And he was always a legend, but by the end, there was much more affinity, many more people connected with him and had a lot more respect for him. And I think it just shows the importance of not writing people off too early because you can just misjudge. Do you know what? I think in our community, we need to say or allow people, it's okay to, to hit rock bottom. Because, you know, people hit rock bottom all the time and it's okay to be there because, you know, the, the come up is good. You know what I mean? That's when you learn from your lessons. That's when you use the hindsight. Exactly what you said, Marvin, about those, those elders using those guys to guide you or those women to guide you and, you know, create your best work and be present for your family. But as men and in our community, it is not an option to hit rock bottom. Like you can't hit rock bottom and not be able to function. You know what I mean? Because the the inference on us or how we're viewed is that we have to provide 
if you look at the our role in our community and a family, it is to provide. I asked my dad what his role is, it's to provide. It's exactly what the, the same thing you talked about in fences. I asked my granddad, it is to provide. You know, he took the the boat here, came here with my grandma, set up shop, provided a roof uh, and a home. And then my dad and cousins and everyone else came over and that was his job. Now it's slightly different for us. We're allowed to cry and, <laughs> you know, we're allowed to do do more things, but it should be recognised that men hit rock bottom and you need those support structures in place to allow you to to build up. You know what I mean? And that will define the next 10 years. Can I ask you both a question, yeah? If if you both saw a black man and a black woman crying in the street separately on different days, what would you assume or what would you do? Would it be different? No, I go and ask them. I do that all the time. I sit with people all the time. There was a lady crying at um, King's Cross. Just on the floor crying with her suitcases. Like, oh, I'm going for you, what's wrong? Crying. She's like, oh. I love that that's the way that you did it as well. Right? Proper, proper yard man. Yeah, you work one. Yeah, all right. Everything, Chris. What are you crying for? Stop your crying. <laughs> but I did, you know, I sat with her and listened to her story. You know, her boyfriend had left her. She's going to miss her train to Yorkshire. She's so upset. She could, I was like, just stand up and go and get on the train. You know what I mean? You're 21. <laughs> Heartbreak. It happens. Damn. You know what I mean? And, and then she kind of was like, well, you're actually quite right. I gave him my cards and said, you know, if you need to chat, then call me. Um, but I, I, Does that matter? No, 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 no. It doesn't, she wasn't matter. beautiful. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Sorry. <my laughs> <eyes aren't good. laughs> thing. He was like, I'm, yeah, I just saw it. Gave him my card. I like, I'm a goddamn Word. superhero. Word. <laughs> and then you gave, got married three years later. You gave the woman with the bad weave and you gave her your card. <laughs> Bottom line is I'm stopping and I'm asking, what's good? Are you but, okay? but have you done that How for a man? I, I think about that, yeah. I, I don't know. I think when it comes to men, it's like, bro, figure it could out. Could they not get beat up? <laughs> yeah, bro. He's like, I don't want to get moved to. I don't want someone to like plant drugs on me. Like, what, what do you want? You do it from bare far away. You're just, it's just like this. You're like, are you, are you okay? Are you okay? You all right? Yeah? Do, do, you know, do you know what? Let me tell you a story. I was in a Caribbean shop, yeah. And I saw a boy came in and I could see him fumbling with his coins looking at the menu, fumbling with Kwon Young boy. And then he sat down at the table and put his head down. And um, I thought, you know, he looks like he might need help, something. And I toyed with the idea, like, you know, don't chat to him, chat to him, don't chat to him. Anyway, I thought, let me, let me go. So I, 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 I went up to him and tapped him. And I was like, what's good? Um, but but that that's like a, a challenge, isn't it? He was like, what? <laughs> no, I was like, are you okay? He's like, yeah. yeah. I was like... Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so someone said, yeah, that when, when you do that to, to black men, it's because you see them and that's worse than, than ignoring them. And they don't want to be seen because you can see the pain and they don't want to deal with it. They don't want to process it. When someone said that to me, I was like, right, man, that's kind of deep, bruv. I'm just, I just, I just telling you a story. They're like, no, if you look them in the eyes, you can see. You can see. They can, that means they know you can see them. They don't want to see. They're just experiencing something. They don't like it. And now they've got to process it differently because they're not alone in it anymore. I was like, black men have it tough, man. It's like, <laughs> we and got it's true it though. Whenever you see a road man, yeah? Like, I always say hello to people because like, always. when I see black people, I'm like, yo, it's good, man. You're right, yeah? And yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you know, you know, <laughs> this is black men are so rubbish. When, when we're walking towards each other, yeah? We eye contact a bit 
to be like, what's this? Is this yeah, a threat? Yeah, yeah. Am I going to die? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Is he going to punch me? That you scan and then you just like, you look elsewhere because you just don't want, no, you don't want the problem. But if yeah. the problem comes, you got to figure out, am I running? Am I attacking back? <laughs> is it like, a, is there a weapon around? And so when they do that thing, I'm like, yo, what's going on? You're right, it could, yeah? And they always do this complete shock of like, yeah, 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 man, you're cool. You're right, yeah? Just a little bit too much, like a little yeah. bit more than is required for the level of like interaction that we're having. And it's because we're, it's, like, it's like you break ice. <laughs> it's like, Literally. It's, it's like you just chip into it and then they're like, oh, yeah, 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 cool, man, you're right, yeah? Safe, <laughs> safe. Yeah, 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 it's cool. Fine. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. I, I, think, I, think, I think for me as well, I was going to say, I think as you were saying that, it's like every other interaction they're in, they need to have that guard up. Or, or, or no, not even they, we need to have that guard up. You know, I always say when I walk into like a supermarket or a shop, I have to decide do I want my hands in my pocket or out my pocket walking in because if I if I change my mind in the shop, security might want to have a conversation with me. 100%. So you, you do kind of have that face on and you have that mindset where you're ready to say, okay, if someone tests me, not to say I want to cause trouble, but I need to be prepared to defend myself. But I think you hit the nail on the head that we don't necessarily need to see one another as a threat. And, mm. that, and that's the problem because when you carry that energy all the time you create the you energy yeah exactly you create the energy you end up causing situations and you might feel like you're the victim mm. but why is it always happening to you it's something mm. you're doing as well it's not just the fact that everyone else is giving you bad energy yeah I'm going to preface this by saying yeah that no white woman never actually did anything in this story yeah none <laughs> but like I'm walking from Old Street yeah and we're walking I, it's hard to explain but I'm walking basically from the Old Street roundabout to my ha- to my house 30 million miles away. I don't know when to know where I live. Anyway, so I'm walking. <laughs> I'm, walking down, I'm walking down the path and I'm walking a little bit behind this white woman and we stop at the, the, the lights to cross the Pelican crossing. So, we, so we're now side by side and then there's like two, there's a split road but they basically lead the same way. So I've gone right, she's gone left. Yeah? And then I've gone right, she's gone left, we've gone met up again down the road. And I was, immediately, I was like, I need to speed up. <laughs> I do not want this woman to feel like I'm right. one following yeah. her, that yeah. I want something. It's late. Yeah. It's like ten, It's like quarter to 11 or something. Mm. I don't even, if you scream, I'm going to scream. I don't want no problems. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to get home. It's late. I'm tired. And I realized in my head, yeah, I was having this whole conversation about this white woman. Because I don't want any problems. I'm not here for you. I don't want anything yeah. that's not for me. Like, just leave me alone. And then I got in my house and I was still thinking about it. And I was like, she's living in my head rent free. I'm just like, this ain't okay. Like, I, I need to get over those things. And I just think our presence constantly is like a constant adjustment. But the empathy for, for, for black men is low as dirt. Because no. you're fighting the ghost of every black man that did something somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Of course. Whether we like it or not. Like, it's weird because in many realms, like in the black community, we say, don't judge us on other black people. But you go speak to, and this is, I'm not saying this is wrong, by the way. You go speak to a black woman and t- she tell you a black men's story. Yo, you need to take a seat. There's a lot. Mm. And so mm. as much as we say we shouldn't do that, there's so much experiences in our communities, like where we stand in it is that anyone can say and do anything about your likeness and you got to hold it. Like you could, like you got to hold it unless you have video CCTV evidence <laughs> and a contract and a, yeah. you, you're, that's it right now. And the power is completely outside of our hands. And so we almost become servient to the imagination of many people. 
Like, how much power do you truly have over your own likeness and your own presence? Now, in many ways, like, you can be like, I don't give a toss. I'm doing what I'm doing. Fine. But understand mm. at some point, you could be the consequence of someone's imagination. And at the moment, as a black man, it's everyone's <laughs> imagination. Yeah. There's no intersection that's like, mm. black men, oh, we love them. They, without them, there's, there is none of that anywhere. Yeah. So the rope is thin. Your movements have got to be clean and powerful, but you've got to be assured about who you are. And you may have to take some punches in the quest for social justice because what you're doing ain't, ain't the thing right now. Do, do you know, I find myself in, in some of the jobs I had trying to be that beacon so that the next bro that comes through, they remember, oh, yeah, oh, Mark, he was fantastic. He listened. Uh, he did produce great work. And therefore, we can take on another young black male in our organization and they can make it, they can make it happen, which, which is sad. We're constantly on the back foot. Well, I feel I'm constantly on the back foot if it's, if it's you know, walking into a shop, you know, exactly where exactly do I put my hands or, you know what I mean? Or I, I smile or I go for a run in Ali Pali. Even though I don't live anywhere near there, <laughs> 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 well, it's, it's more like a it's more like a really fast walk than run, and um, it's uh, you know it's full of non-black people, and there's a like a wooded area, and sometimes it might be dusty, you know, you're jogging through the wooded area, and you can see people, their faces are like Jesus yeah, Christ, yeah, and yeah. and I'm not a traditional runner, am I? I haven't got running gear on, I've got sure. my night my night loaded tracksuit, <laughs> I've got my fitted hat, you know. <laughs> I'm going for a, a, a fast-paced jog and people are petrified, like, and I have to smile. Morning, afternoon, how are you? You know, just hear my voice and hear that it's non-threatening, you know. <laughs> Be at how, ease. How, how, how high are your octaves, bruv? You must sound like <laughs> Morning. <laughs> hey, are you doing so good to see you? Hey, I like that one. Hey, hey, hey. What hey. dog is that? What, what breed is it? <laughs> if you ever want to not look threatening, just compliment their dog. And then they're like, oh, what's that? Come in. Come round. Meet Seamus. He and his wife are driving in their new Citroen C5 Aircross SUV to her birthday dinner, which he forgot in a restaurant that she had to book. She married a cliché. This could be a very uncomfortable drive. Except the Citroen C5 Aircross SUV comes with advanced comfort seating and progressive hydraulic cushion suspension, making it a very comfortable drive indeed. Citroen. Engineered for comfort. See citroen.ie. It's, it's so interesting because I think almost like what we're talking about is the power of these two men's conversation, yeah? And it's really moving. At the same time, you're kind of looking at it from a perspective of like, actually, men, are we are different beasts and it isn't our time right now. And so in that adjustment of like people having empathy for our changes, our lived experiences, you know, the things that we've been taught that we're trying to de- un- unprogram from, it may not be there. So really it's all about us, but... When, when they were talking about fatherhood, yeah, it's funny because Twitter obviously is a, a wonderful place. It's a great place for insight and fact and stuff. And there was this, you know, I saw I saw Nick Cannon's name trending. And, and for me, Nick Cannon, from a perspective of business, it's like, yo, you've been around on TV as long as I remember watching TV as a child actor, whatever. And you're a bit of an icon. Like, it's a bit like Bow Wow to people slightly younger than me. It's like, you're a, you're a legend. And, you know, he's gone through so many iterations, but something seems to have happened in the last three to five years where he's just gone on, on a mad thing and he's just have, he's, I think he's had four babies in 12 months this year. He's, he's just, he's just 
I think twins and two other individual babies. And I was just like, you know, in one realm, it's like there was a debate about is it okay to have that many children? He's now on his seventh. And I was like, yeah, because he has money. But then I immediately was like, that's not enough, though, is it? That's yeah, no. how, how do you keep that all together? How do you stop them all from... Because before it was like, I want to keep my daughter off the pole. Now I just want to keep my children out of deep therapy. That's the mm. goal, isn't it? So how do you keep your children out of deep therapy when you've got seven children, four of them are born within the same calendar year? Like, how do you navigate that? How do you create that? Like, what, what, what were your thoughts? Did you read the story on it? Yeah, I, I read it. And, and you know, what? I've got a, a reverse question for this that linked back to um, the Red Table with Will Smith and Kevin Hart. And Will Smith asked a question, how do you tell your daughter your shady past without losing respect? The same scenario. So Nick Cannon at some point is going to have to have a conversation about what the hell happened in that year. You know, you had X amount of kids with X amount of women. How do you account for that? You know, someone's going to be upset along the way. People are going to get hurt along the way. And what, what, what does that teach your daughter? you know that you know men are monogamous and that's okay or you smooth it out you know um if you're rich and powerful then you can do this you know you can sleep with who you want and create life with as many people as you want which is not right you know um society promotes the nuclear family and that's what his children are going to learn in school <laughs> you know what i mean that you know you have a mum and dad and you know it's not monogamous and you have um you have, you know, 2.4 children and you have a nice house and, and that's what that's going to be their framework. And then they're going to look at their situation and see that they've got all these brothers and sisters with various mums and dads always having a madness with someone and someone wants more money here. And it's, it's going to be it's going to be chaos. It's, it's, it's absolutely going to be chaos and difficult to, to smooth out. You know, how do you have that? How do you, what, what do you explain? How, how do you how do you explain that? How do you explain your, your evil past, Marlon? Um, I, I, I ascended. <laughs> you started. I ascended. Yes. I ascended. <laughs> tell us. Tell us. Do you know what? It's really funny. My daughter asked me the other day. She was, um, my daughter's 12. She's like, have you ever been with two women at the same time? I was like, where did that come from? And if you don't answer that question in 0.2 seconds, then you're lying. <laughs> so as I was saying, I ascended from heaven. Okay. <laughs> I'm in, sweating for you, bro. That like, 1983. Fudge. <laughs> I'm a good guy. There's no. Oh, how, how did you about answer that me. question? I've never done anything like that. What? Huh? What about those big parties that you talk about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Business. Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Never mind, never mind, never mind. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Never mind. What about you? How do you deal with your freedoms from the fans from the podcast? How do you do it? Uh... <laughs> I mean, so, so I, miss, I missed that part, but on, 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 on a Nick Cannon question. Anyway. <laughs> I, but yeah, with Nick Cannon, I think it goes back to what's more important, presence or presence, in a sense where, you know, he will be able to provide a life for his kids that most people will dream of, but they're not going to have all of his time in the way that they may want it. And, you know, it's it's a balancing act. And it's, you know, I think when you're in one position, it's easy for me to say, for example, that his physical presence would be more important. But at the same time, I saw, I saw a post this week that said all the rappers we listen to promoting negative music to our kids, they're sending their kids to some of the best schools around the world. Mm. And so there, there's, there's that side of it as well. So I think he will be able to afford them a certain lifestyle. But, you know, we know children are going to want his, his physical presence as well. And I think the problem with Nick Cannon is a few years ago, he came out and said, after Mariah Carey, he, he's basically, he's not settling down. Like he, he couldn't see himself being monogamous. And so everyone interacting with him in that way, anyone he dates, anyone he has a child with, they know exactly what they're getting from him because mm. he's basically written himself off and said, I don't want, I don't want to be married again. Dick and um, babies. You know, 
just, just a rat. <laughs> pretty much, yeah, pretty much. That's that's what he said. So I, I, I'm gonna be honest, yeah. yeah. I I I can't. I could not live that life. I couldn't. Mm. I can't. It's just like there's a there's a piece of my heart that needs to be attached to actually healthy, loving environments. To idea of just being out here, and and that was ever my life where I needed to have. Like, I ended up having four children in a year. I would feel like such a failure. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Like I, I don't want to make a judgment on him because he might find a way of fixing it and putting everyone together in a giant house and you know growing <laughs> corn and. <laughs> I don't know. You uh, might figure what it out. What they do in America? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. They, they grow grow some sort of crop. I don't know. Um, but like, I think it, for me, it would just it would be a massive, massive failure. It would be a huge indictment of my decision making process. It'd be a massive slap in the face of my my original two children. It'd be, it'd be a slap for a lot of things. Just like you know, these, these things are really, really important. And I think actually, there's a lot of trauma that's created by men trying to recreate comfortable homes or safe homes. When it, the first one doesn't work. Like, you know, that was your attempt. That was your shot. Create a blended family. It's one thing to go get a partner. And by the way, your kids will never give a toss about your new partner. You can you can, you can can say things and be like, oh, look, this is my girlfriend. And it's been five years. They're just going to look at you like, when are you getting with my mother again? Because I don't understand this lady. She's here. <laughs> I don't know what she wants. <laughs> so it's like, your mission is, is that you don't create that trauma for them. So the only way to do that is to create Clear, create clear lines my mum never brought another man in the house ever like there was men around we knew who they were but they were never permanent fixtures they were never in my house telling me like you know to go shop and like who drank the kool-aid that 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 ain't never gonna happen. i'm thinking of baby boy i'm thinking of being raised baby boy. <laughs> none of those things ever really happened and i think i thank her so much for that i don't have a hangover with like men in a way because of that whole whole divide i don't have a massive story about my mom because you know she got rid of him you know and put a man in the house and didn't care about me anymore those things aren't aren't real and you've got to as a dad sometimes sacrifice your short-term needs and feelings if you authentically fall in love and you know rihanna's calling you and says i want to build a family then i get it you know take the shot but if it's just like something that you can avoid and not something that you authentically want and that's deeper than just your short-term feelings and i think really like your mission is to preserve those things as much as possible and help you know the children you have really look after them and that that's what's kind of been on my mind recently it's just like i never want to have to like explain to my children why i'm like spend more time with other children and not them that would really crush them man that's really a brutal thing to to do without without the like full justification of like i love this person this is my soulmate and you know these you know that that is what it is and that's going to happen but if it's not that you know those straight, those straight ones that you meet at Marlon's parties that you just shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's the score now? Is <laughs> well, at least, at least they met people are. at my parties. Wow! <laughs> I'm just saying. Now you're just, just pimping out your 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 patrons. <laughs> so cool, man. Hey, sexy is on at If Bar on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> the Sunday show is in uh, oh, a no, room. No, no. Wow. 109B. <laughs> nah, this is getting spicy, bruv. Man said we're in a room, you know, in the travel lodge. <laughs> in the hallway. <laughs> Guys, uh, we got a wrap, man. I, I got to get my son home. Uh, he's looking at me like I've been on the phone for an hour and a half. So, um, but no, thank you so much for that, man. That conversation was really haunting me this week, man. And I think, like, if you've got a chance to go look at the Red Table Talk with Will and Kevin Hart, it's a really powerful conversation between two men. And obviously, accomplished men speak differently to challenged men. And it's a really good insight into some of those things. Um, but I also think there's a lot to learn, like, even as a, a, a mother or a partner or a woman that's listening, how men are understand their place in the world and the things that they 
they're doing to try and like re- remedy those things. And I think also as a man, like if you if you are a good man and you know deep in your soul you're a good man, like take some concessions back for yourself. Like not constant this idea of giving at all costs, you know, because in, in many ways, like a week off can be repaired with your children. They'll understand. It's like it's different if you're, you know, just disappearing and you're out. But like if you need to take a week to yourself or two weeks to yourself or six months to yourself do what you have to do because the value of you being here in 10 years time is way more to explain where you were for that six months than it is for you to crash and burn uh, and in the hope that somebody would nobly talk about your name the year down the line it just you know it isn't worth it and i think we want to raise our children in a really powerful way man any closing thoughts from you guys marvin and make a plan to take time off Plan it out and see where, see what you can do and what you can take. Um, you know, you're all working hard and, you know, life's as difficult as it can be anyway. You know, we're living through a pandemic. I think people should definitely take, make a plan and factor in that time out so you can recoup uh, because you deserve it. Yeah. And I think, I think one of you said it earlier, but that's the whole reason we work. We work to give ourselves that flexibility and that freedom. So if you're just working to no end, you know, you're not serving the purpose you should be. But if you're working to give yourself that freedom and flexibility, then, you know, then that that's that's um, that's working in a kind of like in a concise, you know, matter of fact way, as opposed to just working effortlessly every hour, every hour that God sends. So, yeah, I completely agree with that. You know, work to the position where you can then afford to take breaks. Mm, dope. Guys, thank you so much for that insight, man. I hope people really appreciate it. It really moved me this week. Uh, but yeah, let's catch up again next week uh, and let's see what else we got going on. Marlon, it sounds like you just uh, sequestered yourself a space in the podcast if you're up for it. <laughs> yeah! Uh, Add it value. Yes. It's now officially award-winning podcast, yes. so you can say that. You can put it on your LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hopefully you can get more girls from it. You know, you. I don't judge. I don't judge what you do with the repertoire from Dope Like That. You know, it's fine. Can you send me a t-shirt, please, with the podcast on Dope Like That? No, I will. You can just stand outside sec- primary school and secondary schools and just try and meet women and be like, look, have you seen my t-shirt? Uh, I've got to go because women women actually listen to this and they my, my date is remotely seriously. We are not these people. Marlon is, but no. I'm not. i got to no, go. No, All right, thank no. you so much. Everyone for listening. It's all that podcast. Thank you. All right. Ciao. <laughs> And so thank you guys for listening. I really much appreciate it. We'll be back next week with another episode. Uh, you can find us at, uh, at Dope Black Dads on all social media platforms. You can also email me for a chat at hello at dopeblackdads.com. Thank you so much for listening, my brothers. I appreciate you all. Uh, we'll be back next week. This is the new Toyota Yaris Cross. A new kind of SUV. New point of view. New compact style. New spacious feel. And exclusively self-charging hybrid. The right choice for today. Get a new perspective with the Yaris Cross self-charging hybrid. You'll never take a wrong turn with Toyota. Built for a better world. Every day you trust your gut, and that gut feeling can lead to a kick in the guts, but your gut instinct was right, so you bust a gut, because someone will have your guts if you don't. <sighs> you know what your gut deserves? Glen Ellen Farm Yogurt. Breasting with live cultures, it's the daily way to keep your gut happy and healthy, and tastes delicious to boot. Choose Irish, choose local, choose Glen Ellen Farm. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 